Welcome to Mainstream Modular, a podcast presented by Gurdon. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Mainstream Modular, a podcast from Gurdon Modular. I'm your host, Tyler Curran. Thanks so much for joining us for another episode of the show. Today, we're talking about a specific project. It's the Burlingame Ranch Phase 3 project, and we're going to be diving in and talking about all of this with Weston Birma. He is a modular consultant. You're going to hear so much more about what he does and what he's done with this particular project and his decision-making process and so much more here on the podcast today. So we're thrilled to welcome Weston on with us. Weston, thanks so much for joining us here on the podcast today. Thanks for having me, Tyler. Absolutely, absolutely. So, Weston, I teased a little bit more about your background there in the introduction. So, tell us a little bit more about your background, what you do, and how you got involved in modular construction in the first place. Sure. So, my background really came from the general <clears throat> general contracting world. And about five years ago, I did a project under Ari Nelson for the town of Vale. It was 32 units of deed-restricted housing uh, in West Vale. These 32 units, we worked with the town and, and turned out we were going to take this modular path. So after completing that project, I really saw an opportunity that this was going to be the future of construction. And from that point forward, um, I really just went all in on modular and learned as much as I could about it, took on any project I could. And here we are um, several years later and several hundred units later uh, doing a pretty large scale project for City of Aspen as the final phase of Burlingame. Yeah, that's that's really exciting. I can't wait to kind of dive a little bit more into that. So tell us about some of the, the details of this particular project uh, about Burlingame Ranch Phase 3. Uh, tell us a little bit more just about the particulars, about the number of units, and, and, and the purpose behind this project. Burlingame Phase 3 is the final build-out of a planned unit development for City of Aspen. It's comprised of eight buildings, 79 units, about 88,000 gross square feet in this project. And it's a fully sprinkled NFPA 13 project. Um, these buildings are on a difficult site, um, some really crummy soils and areas, a big retaining wall cut, and uh, kind of a tricky site to work. When it comes to those tricky aspects, um, what sorts of maybe um, different kind of planning allowances did you make as a result of that? You know, I, Obviously, like kind of where you're located in Aspen is going to mean that there's going to be particulars to this project that are unique to that city, to that spot, right? So what did you have to take into account when it came to this project because it's in Aspen? Yeah, so this particular project was actually one of the trickier ones to get modular to work. But it does go to show that we can make this thing work in almost all cases. The The PUD that was set forth, we had very tight guidelines on building widths, heights, and, and restrictions. So we had to work in a very confined design for this project. Uh, with those big cuts, we've got some kind of unique foundation conditions that we had to consider. And it really took a lot of front-end planning and kind of a, a, very, a very coordinated design effort on the front end to pick up our speed on the back end and spend less time in the field for the vertical construction component. Yeah, I'm excited to kind of get more into that that planning process because it re really does seem like that is where a lot of the magic happens when it comes to these sorts of projects. So talk me through, you, you said this was more of a, a challenging project to go modular on, but why was modular still the right choice in this particular case for this project? Uh, talk me through kind of the decision-making process there. Sure. There were a couple of things. I started with this project about two and a half years ago with City of Aspen, and I really came on did the initial estimates that were provided to town council to earmark that money. And then we moved into kind of the means and methods and why we were gonna take this path. And 
the city of Aspen really wanted to reduce the amount of impact to those two adjacent neighborhoods, which is all workforce housing deed restricted um, that are attached to this site. So it was a big reason was speed and picking up schedule, less impactful to the neighbors, less noise, and getting in and out as fast as possible. So then tell me about the, those those early planning phases then and how how that helped mitigate risk and, and maybe some of the headaches that can occur on the back end. Uh, how did those those early planning phases go and, and how important are they to the to the long term success of a project like this? Planning and modular is everything. So the total duration that we're going to spend working on this project is about the same as if we had done stick belt. Difference is we're very design heavy and very design coordination heavy on the front end with a shorter time in the field. Uh, this particular project, it allowed the city to earmark that money early. Uh, it, it created costs that were that, that moved a little bit less on us in a very volatile market. We also locked in that modular contract much sooner than you would have with a typical GC. So we actually selected our modular manufacturer before we selected our GC. And we locked in a lot of those costs up to a year before we actually started building it. So it allowed the city to create a level of certainty on about 50% of the budget, uh, no, making that cost known and taking some risk off the table early. That's that's really interesting. And then from there, did you have to go through the lending process? And if so, you know, what do people need to know about working with with banks on projects like this? Is it is it challenging? Is it easy? But tell me a little bit more about about that process of working through the lending the lending process of these projects. Sure. So um, both on the Vale projects and Aspen projects, those uh, municipalities work a little bit different. Um, oftentimes, don't go out and bond or take financing routes for these types of projects. It is a for sale project, so the city is effectively floating it on the front end and then recouping on the back. But uh, with my new role at Four Points Development, um, we are uh, going out and getting lending for these projects. And there are some hurdles on the front end with lending. Uh, you need to make the lender aware and your cash flows are much different with modular than they would be with a typical stick belt construction. So you are gonna have a lot of deposits and uh, different payment schedules for the supply component or the modular component uh, on the front end comparative to your typical stick belt. That's really interesting. So it sounds like in more ways than one, a lot of effort and planning and things go into the front end of projects like this to make things easier down the road. Is that a is that a correct maybe characterization of of just the the process of modular in general that that a lot more things are front loaded onto the front end that that make life easier on the back end? Absolutely. I mean, everybody sees it from the street view, which is you know the boxes come in, the crane shows up, we put up a whole building in one day. Um, yeah, that that's definitely the the culmination of a year or even more worth of work. And to be honest, going back to the beginning, that's really where I saw the opportunity was that first project with Chamonix, there were so many new things and new hurdles that we had to figure out on how to get modular done in Vail because it hadn't been done. And so I kind of took that as an opportunity and said, I'm gonna focus on helping other developers and other municipalities through that planning process, through that DRB process, and and getting that project from start to certificate of occupancy and another you know big hurdle aside you know while we're talking about kind of the constructability and timeline you you have so many people uh, that factor in within that building department that may be unfamiliar with this type of project so it's not just the building department it's the it's the fire department everybody's weighing in on this and each one and then obviously the state will also certify the plans or or stamp their portion of the plans 
So it it's really takes some maneuvering to get through that process. Do you feel like, you know, being you know, the first kind of modular project like this in these areas that you maybe have helped kind of blaze a trail and now people have a better understanding of this, making projects like this easier in the future? Absolutely. Um, and we've seen uh, a windfall of other projects in the Vale Valley that have taken this path um, after Chamonix kind of opened that door um, in our particular valley. There, so then now there's a little bit more known path. Um, for example, I'm just doing projects primarily in Colorado. Um, the state wasn't prepared for how quickly and how big this was going to become. Ten years ago, modular manufacturing was either your typical dealer route where you'd be buying a single family home, it gets shipped out and you set it on blocks. Um, or they were building man camps, shipping those up to the oil fields. When the market tanked, they had to get creative. And, and then it came roaring back and we lost a lot of our labor force in the field. And so when that happened, everybody went into multifamily hotels. And so really what we've been doing now for the last five to 10 years is retooling the plants, retooling the labor force, and also retooling building department, fire department to understand how this process works. And so getting into modular now, uh, we've, we've gone through a lot of those learning and a lot of the hurdles uh, over the last decade. And it's much, uh, it's, it's much easier now than it was five years ago. That's that's really interesting to hear. Just that, that that process, I guess, of everyone kind of becoming a little bit more comfortable with with the modular process, I, I think, is is really interesting. And you you've mentioned DRB a couple of times. Tell us about that design and review board phase and the build the building permit process. Um, how did you walk through those? Uh, obviously, that's a sticking point for a lot of projects. And so, what was that like for you? And uh, tell us a little bit more about that process as well. Sure. So. Again, this comes back to doing a lot of the planning up front. Um, we can create these modular components, but then the key to getting through DRB is creating those offsets, uh, arti architectural articulation in your in your roof lines, and getting some accents on those buildings. Uh, if I, I drive down the road now, and I'll point out to people that projects are modular and they can't believe it once it's done. So it just takes a lot of planning up front to get through that process. And then the other piece is that you are submitting both a state package and a local package for review and getting those two to correlate and getting those jurisdictions uh, to be both on the same page. Even that is still taking some extra time here in Colorado as there are still some conflicts between local and, and state. So again, planning is, is where you're going to spend a large portion of your time on these projects to get to that one day when you get to set a whole building at once. Absolutely. 100%. 100%. The, the, uh, the putting the building in place is like the, the tip of the iceberg in terms of the, the work that takes place on, on projects like this. And, um, and yeah, you're absolutely right. So, uh, did Gurdon play a role at all in, in that, um, uh, that, that DRB process? And if so, what kind of role did they play in, in making that happen? So in this particular case, the architect of record was, uh, which was 359 design, they still spearheaded that process with the city and the local AHJ. Geardon, on the other hand, like I said, because we were working in these really tight constraints of an existing PUD and two previous phases, basically had to figure out how to get every penetration, you know, intake, windows, elevations, all of these things to work within it and then go and construct it in the plant. So their heavier lift was in the shop drawings and kind of having to, to retrofit into that existing PUD. 
bring us up to speed on, on where things are now, Weston. Um, I, I know you probably mentioned a little bit about this earlier, but but where is the project now currently? Where does it stand and uh, and what's left to do? Sure. So we broke ground on this particular project in May of 21. Um, we just finished setting our final building. Uh, we expect to be mostly out of this project come fall, and we should have our first tenants uh, for the next ski season. So the total duration uh, for the 79 units, we're hoping to keep that to about a year and a half. And I think if we had done this stick built and gone more of a traditional route, we probably would have been looking at closer to a, a two-year build on this project. Absolutely. So uh, are there any maybe final lessons or, or things that you want people to know about this project or uh, lessons or things that, that you hope people take away and can learn from what you've been able to accomplish here? I think, um, well, a couple items on that. It really depends on what market you're in and what you're trying to achieve. Uh, a project in these cold, harsh environments, I mean, Aspen averages over 300 inches of snow a year. The building season, if you really look at it, is only about six months of prime time. So in certain markets, these projects make a lot of sense. Short building seasons, high costs of labor, um, you know, difficult sites to get to um, in terms of your labor force, materials. Uh, you know, Aspen is not on a supply chain. You know, it's not on ice. You know, it's off of I-70. Getting materials up from Denver is is expensive. Uh, so it's very kind of site dependent on when this makes sense. Um, but the the planning process is really the key to success in modular. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. That, that, that really comes through as the, as the biggest thing from this conversation is just how important the planning process is to a successful project overall. So, um, Weston, what do you see as the, the future uh, of modular construction? Where do you see this going? Um, as you mentioned, you're seeing more and more projects like this. How do you see this continuing to grow and build as things go forward? I see a big future for modular. Um, we're already seeing, you know, Marriott hotels has committed to building a large portion. I don't remember the exact percent, but it's somewhere in that 25 to 50% range of their future projects in high density areas are going to go that modular path. Um, the future of it is going to be anywhere where you've got high building costs, high labor costs, modular is going to probably be a very good option. The true future and kind of what myself and some of my colleagues have been toying with and seeing the future is probably a hybrid between panelized and modular, where certain components in the building are going to be modular as we've been doing it. And then other pieces in order to either hit DRB uh, requirements um, or to just simply accelerate construction or create things that we can't do in the plant, which is, you know, these big lofted ceilings um, or like a big entry for a lobby. We can panelize those components, utilize the plant, which already has all the things that we need, which is labor, jigs, you know, an indoor work environment to create those other components that will then tie into the modular piece. So the, the future is segmenting your building up, panelizing part of it, putting part of it into modular, and then looking at other things such as bathrooms, um, mechanical rooms, we're, we're having fabricated four by eight sheets with manifolds for in-floor radiant heating. We can call and get guys in Ohio to build 50 of those put them on a truck, ship them out, and then we put those up on the wall and then it's plug and play. So it's kind of now taking it to that next step and going, what else can we do offsite? What else can we be efficient at putting together? 
I love that. I love that. So, uh, final question then is: What's next for you? What's what's next for Weston Beerman what, what, after this? Uh, after the Berlin game project is over, uh, where do you go next? So, I've I've engaged with Four Points uh, funding and Four Points development, and what we're doing is we have an Opportunity Zone fund, and we are developing um, housing, primarily apartment housing, uh, in these Opportunity Zones in Colorado. So, we identify those sites. And I, I got involved with them because part of that opportunity zone money is it's a capital gain that needs to be quickly deployed. So in order to take these funds that have been raised uh, by way of the opportunity zones and the fund, in order to quickly deploy them and have many of these larger scale projects going on, we're gonna use modular for about 50% of our construction. We've got about a thousand units slated to be built over the next three years and approximately 50% of those will be modular. Um, and we're gonna do a, those 50% in about a 36 month period. Awesome, awesome stuff. Weston Birma. Uh, Weston, where can people find out more about what you're doing with Four Points now and uh, and learn more about these projects? Sure, Four Points, uh, you can either Google them or go to fourpointsfunding.com. Um, you can find us in the bios. We're a pretty lean team, uh, fairly small group of us. There's only about 15 in total uh, for the whole team. And it really kind of represents the next step in, you know, kind of private development and even somewhat of a partnership to a degree with many of these local municipalities, because we are building workforce housing that's targeted between 80 and 125% of local AMI. So it does take some level of partnership locally. Um, and we're primarily on the Western slope. So we're sticking uh, to Grand Junction, Durango, Buena Vista, uh, Glenwood Springs. Very good stuff. Weston Birma. Weston, thank you so much for joining us here on the podcast on Mainstream Modular and uh, telling us a little bit more about this project, everything you have going on and, and the future of Modular. It's been, a, it's been a pleasure having you on the podcast. Thanks for having me on, Tyler. Absolutely. And everyone, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Mainstream Modular. We appreciate you joining us here today very much. Of course, subscribe to stay up to date with the latest from the podcast. You can do that on any podcast platform, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, wherever you get your podcasts, you can subscribe to stay up to date with the latest and follow along with the show. And don't worry, we'll be back soon with new episodes of the show. But for this one, for my guest today, Weston Birma, I've been your host, Tyler Kern. Thanks for joining us. Mm-hmm.